0: Hey everyone, it's Dee. Dee. we're the Yensers. Um, happy Sunday. We want you to meet um, AJ, Aiden Jeremiah. He's seven months already. Jeremy's gonna do a reading.
1: Hey guys, excited to be able to do this reading with you all, miss you all. Um, it's not the same being able to be in person, but given the circumstances and having a new little one, um, we're glad that we're able to do this week's reading, which is Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, and I am reading from the New International Version. So, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. And that's the reading. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful Sunday and a great week. Thanks, Jeremy and Didi. They did a good job,
0: didn't they? <laughs> yeah, good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. Exodus part six our journey through the book of Exodus, our campaign to study and understand the power, the presence, and the people of God as we see in the book of Exodus. Now, if you were here last week where we left off, or if you watched later online, where we left off was that Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Hey, The Lord wants his people free, let his people go, and Pharaoh said, no. In fact, the way Pharaoh responded, we're going to look at real quick back in Exodus 5, verse 2. What Pharaoh said to Moses was, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. So he's like, I don't know your God. The the Lord, Yahweh, I don't know him. I ain't going to let his people go. They're not his people. They're my people. So no, ain't letting them go. And Moses got discouraged. The people got discouraged. Life got harder. Pharaoh, uh, you know, made it harder for the slaves. And they blamed Moses. And Moses blamed God. And so that's where we're picking it up. In in the beginning of chapter 7, there's this turning point now where God is going to begin to answer that question, who is the Lord that I should obey him? God's about to say, oh, I'll show you who the Lord is, and and chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 uh, is God flexing his strength, his power, his muscles, and showing who the Lord really is, and that's the title for today, the Lord flexes his strength, and the false gods crumble. Today we're going to be in chapter 7 and 8, next week 9 and 10, and then on Palm Sunday, the last Sunday before Good Friday, we will be in chapters 11 and 12. And these chapters read sort of like a montage from a Rocky movie to me. You know, Rocky, when he's getting ready to uh, fight Apollo Creed or Mr. T or Ivan Drago, he's got this training, right? You got this montage of him training. That's how these chapters read to me, because it's God flexing his muscle again and again and again in order to answer the question, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? In fact, what we see from the passage that Jeremy and Didi just read from, I want to pick it up. This is the beginning of chapter 7. In verse 3, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring my divisions, my people, the Israelites, out. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Look again at verse 5. And then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Pharaoh had asked a question, who's the Lord? And God's like, they're going to know who the Lord is. They're going to see at the end of the day who the Lord is when I flex my muscles and bring mighty acts of judgment, and lead my people out of Israel. God's goal is not to fix our problems in and of themselves just so that we can go on our merry way. God's goal, when he flexes his strength, when he intervenes in our lives, is so that we would know that he is God. That's his goal. God is for God, in other words. He is for us seeing him as God because he knows that we are made to worship. And we are constantly on a search to worship something, to put our hope in, our trust in, our soul's rest in something. And God wants us to put it in him, not because he's insecure, but because he knows that's best for us. He's the only one who can sustain our worship. He's the only one who can hold our worship. It's like why I want my girls to know that I'm their dad. Not because I'm insecure and, you know, well, uh, you know, the, the, the best thing to do would be to say all, 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 all men are equal to you guys, so it's okay to run to any old dad. No, I want them to know that I'm their dad so that when they're in trouble, they don't run into the arms of any old stranger off the street, right? I want them to know that I'm their dad so that they don't run into any old boy's arms when they get to high school who winks at them. Amen, Frank. Yeah. I want them to know that I'm their dad. I'm looking out for them. So if I say, watch out for that young man, they trust me. And that's what God wants for us, that we would put our hope and our trust in him. He loves us that much, so he wants us to know that he is Lord. He is God. And that's why sometimes he takes out the false gods that we tend to put our hope in. He topples them. He knocks them over. That's what we're going to see him do in Egypt. And so let me just pray as we get going. God, as we look at your signs, your wonders, your plagues, acts of judgment, they are also acts of mercy to wake us up. They are also acts of grace to get our eyes fixed on you. And that's what I pray for true life. That's what I pray for me. That's what I pray for anyone who's watching, any friend or family member who ends up tuning in that we would know that you are Lord, you are king, you are God, and that anything else that we're putting our hope in, whether it's our careers, our money, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, man-made religion, our own ability to do good works, church activity, our own ability to control circumstances, got anything else that we're putting our hope in lord help us to see that no 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 you are lord these things are not prepare our hearts to hear from you amen all right we're going to be going through chapter 7 and 8 entirely we're not we're not but not thoroughly. In other words, we're not looking at it verse by verse, but we are going to do a flyover of chapter 7 and 8, and if you're doing the weekly reading, you will cover every single verse this week, okay? So, picking it up, verse 8 of chapter 7. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw down his staff in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. So God knew that Pharaoh was going to look for some kind of miraculous sign. Uh, the Egyptians believed in and also experienced supernatural phenomenon, dark magic. Uh, they had uh, we have ancient papyri that shows that they experienced some of this. So Pharaoh wanted to know, okay, if your God is real, have him perform some kind of miraculous sign. So they throw down the staff, it becomes a snake, a serpent. But verse 11, Pharaoh summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. So they had power as well. Now, where did their power come from? Well, if it wasn't glorifying God, if it wasn't pointing people to trust in God, then it was coming from a demonic source. That's what the New Testament will tell us, that there's a Satan, that he's real, a devil, he's got demons, and they provide power as well. They can do miracles as well. And if miraculous things are not done in the name of Jesus and, in, and, and, and they don't point us towards Jesus, oftentimes Satan is behind it. There might be real powers. People have asked me, are psychics real? Some of them have real powers, and they actually don't mean any harm. They think that they're helping people, but what's behind it is dark powers. Satan, devil, demonic realm, influencing, even deceiving us. And so that's why we can't chase after any old thing that appears to be supernatural. It doesn't mean it's good supernatural. And so Pharaoh and his officials had access to dark sorcery, and they were able to do a miracle here as well. They throw down their staffs. They all become snakes. So they got Moses. Moses and Aaron have a snake, and he's outnumbered by all these other snakes. And I'm sure in this moment, I'm completely speculating, but I just have to imagine Pharaoh's like, Phew, see, your God can't do anything that my gods can't do. And then all of a sudden something happens. Look. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. His snakes swallowed up their snakes. And this was a foreshadow of what was to come. This was God, this was Yahweh saying, you may have your false gods that you hope in, but I will swallow them up. And literally, spoiler alert, the Egyptian army and Pharaoh himself will be swallowed up in the Red Sea by God the foreshadow of what is to come. Because when God decides to swallow up our idols, when God decides to knock down something that we are trusting in, he does it. He does it in an instant. He brings it crashing down. Now, Satan is still whispering in our ears in those moments going, see, God is taking away something important to you. See, God is against you. Trying to get us to harden our hearts like Pharaoh did here in verse 13. Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. His heart became hardened. And sometimes it, it, when we're going through something and it looks like uh, God is taking away something so important, Satan wants us to react to God by railing our fists. and go, How could you do that? When you uh, have that addiction and it gets you into trouble, it leads you to jail, or you get that DUI and your license gets taken away. He, Satan wants us to rail our fists at God. How could you let me? But God is trying to wake us up. It's an act of mercy to bring us to our knees so that we would repent and trust in him. Again, when we're out there chasing money and we lose our job, we can raise our fist at God. How could you do this? But God is also inviting us in his grace to come back to him and trust in him as Yahweh, as the Lord, as the only one who can sustain our worship. So these signs and these plagues that we're about to see, they are acts of judgment on one hand, yes, but their acts of mercy, on the other hand, God is giving Pharaoh ample warning to drop to his knees and trust in, 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 in Yahweh as the Lord, in the God of Israel as the Lord. Ample warning before things get worse and worse and worse. Unfortunately, this particular miracle was not very—it uh, wasn't costly enough to Pharaoh. His officials lost a few of their staffs, right? But it's going to get more and more costly. And God is trying to shake Pharaoh up. And yet at the same time, he knew that he wouldn't. He knew that his heart would be hardened. He warned Moses of that, just as the Lord had said. So now, God's going to flex even more. It's going to get more costly. We're going to get into the plagues. There are 10 plagues that we're going to see over the next three weeks. And again, each plague will showcase God's wrath on one hand and God's mercy on the other hand. As we get closer and closer to Good Friday, which is appropriate because Good Friday is the ultimate picture of God's wrath and God's mercy coming crashing together at the cross of Jesus Christ at Calvary. So, let's keep going. Verse 15. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, God says to Moses, as he goes out to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. This is what the Lord says, by this you will know that I am the Lord. By this you will know that I there's that idea again. I want you to know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, excuse me, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Now, the Nile was the source of so much of Egypt's power and wealth and prosperity. The Nile, the Nile Basin, was kind of the pride of Egypt. In fact, the Nile itself was seen as a god. It was worshipped. There was, uh, we we have ancient uh, papyri that shows that they had hymns sung to the the Nile. And then there was also gods that they believed were behind the Nile. You know, given its power, there was the god happy that they believed Gave the uh, provided the, the 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 spirit of the Nile. There was the god Osiris, who was thought to have the Nile as its bloodstream, and so God in this first plague—and by the way, the word plague means uh, strike or blow—in this first plague, God is striking a blow to the Nile god and the gods behind the Nile of Egypt striking a blow to them in order to show them, look at verse 17 again, that you will know that I am the Lord. That You would know that I am the one who reigns. I'm the one in charge. I'm the true God. Now we're going to skip a few verses, but basically God did it. God did it. They lift up their staff and the Nile turns to blood and all the rivers and the canals and the pools that were supplied by the Nile turned to blood everything is affected by this bloody water everything that the nile was a source of that it went out to including stone and wood the blood got into it all fish died the land stank with blood and rotting fish it was everywhere god flexed his muscles to show who the true god is and struck a blow to the gods behind The Nile. And again, it was not just an act of judgment on those gods. It was an act of mercy to try to get Pharaoh to wake up. He could have repented, he could have turned to God. That's what we should do when our idols are being threatened and taken away. Drop to our knees. God, I get it. I've been putting too much hope in this thing, I've been looking to this person too much. I've been trying to control this. I can't. You're in charge. But Pharaoh, Pharaoh didn't. Look at verse 22. The magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. Again, they still had some dark, some dark power, and they were able to turn some other sources of water into blood, and so perhaps this is why Pharaoh was able to justify not bowing his knee. Right? We're always looking for excuses not to bow and surrender to God. And so perhaps this is why Pharaoh was like, see, our, our gods can still do the same thing. I'm not bowing to him, right? While, while the whole system that the Nile provided was getting flipped upside down, I'm not bowing. I'm not bowing to that God. I'm not going to listen. Which only provides more opportunity for God to continue flexing his muscles. So let's keep going. Chapter 8. Flip a page. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. So that they may worship me. Now that was, he, uh, he said that back in the, with the Nile one as well. So that they may worship me. In other words, God is not just looking to free the people of Israel so that they could be free. He's not just looking to free them so that they are free from oppression, although that's good. He is looking to free them in order to worship him. He redeems us in order to worship him. He saves us through Jesus, not just so that we can be forgiven of our sins and and not experience the penalty that our sins have incurred, but he frees us from the penalty of our sins and forgives us our sins so that our hearts can be freed to worship him above everything else by the power of his spirit. We are born again so that we could worship him, rejoice in him, treasure him above everything else. When I first gave my life to Jesus at 19 years old, my habits began to change and they wouldn't change because I was like, oh, this is a bad habit. I need a good habit. This is wrong and this is right. That's not why they were changing. I knew a lot of my habits were bad for a while, but I didn't change them. It wasn't until I gave my life to him and my heart was freed and all of a sudden my desire started to change. When we just try to change habits from bad to good, that's religion. Well, this is wrong. I'll try to do right. But what Jesus wants to do, what God wants to do, is to free our hearts so that we rejoice in him so that we're like, I don't even need this anymore. I don't even want that. I don't have a taste for that anymore. Because now I treasure you, and I rest in you, and I savor you more than I used to treasure those things. That's what God's about. He redeems us in order to worship him as Lord. Verse 2, if you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and on your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Now, what's up with the frogs? What's the deal with the froggies? There was a goddess called Heket that the Egyptians worshipped, and apparently had like a frog as its head. They saw the frogs as sacred. According to commentator David Guzik, they didn't even want to kill frogs because they saw them as so sacred. It was a goddess that uh, the the goddess Heket uh, was the goddess of fertility. The, The frogs reproduced rapidly on the banks of the Nile, so they saw them as very fertile. And so this is God, I kind of like with a sense of humor going, oh, you, well, you like frogs, do you? Let me give you a lot of them. You, 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 you believe they reproduce so, so well? You're jealous of how much they reproduce? Let me show you how much they can reproduce. And the land was teeming with them. We're skipping a few verses, but to make a long story short, God did what he said he was going to do. He flexed his power. Frogs came everywhere. They're opening up their cupboards, and out comes a frog putting on their slippers, and out comes a frog going to bed at night, and out comes a frog underneath the pillow. Out of the toaster ovens and the refrigerators and everything else, there's frogs everywhere. Froggies ribbiting everywhere. Let's jump down to verse 8. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. So he's like, okay, uncle, 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 it's enough. Enough with the frogs. Please go pray to your God and have him take away the frogs. Now that's interesting to me. Pharaoh is acknowledging here that, they, that their God is real and he has power because he's like, go pray to him. Can you go pray? Can you go ask your God to stop these frogs? He's acknowledging a belief in that God and that, that God has power. But he's not going to bow his knee to and submit to that God. There's a difference between simply acknowledging that something is real and, yeah, I, I kind of have a belief in it, and bowing our knee in submission and going, you're Lord, you're in charge, my life is yours. Big difference. Big difference. And that's perhaps where some of us are. We're like, I believe in God, but no, he doesn't have my heart. He doesn't have my life. I'll believe in God, and when things are difficult or painful, I will pray to him. Or I'll I'll ask somebody who I deem holy to pray for me. Right? I've gotten that. Oh, you're a pastor. Can you please pray for me? Because I don't think I can go to God. People have done that. Because I'm not ready to give him my life. I don't want to bow to him. I just want this difficult situation to go. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there? I'll pray to God. You Oh, this is difficult. Let me start going back to church for a few months, at least until things get better. And that's what happened. Moses goes out. He prays to the Lord. Okay, stop the frogs. Frogs stop. They die. But then look what happens. Verse 15. When Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart... And he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. When he saw there was relief. So things got better. And oh, okay, anyway, back to my life. Back to chasing the things that I was chasing. I'll I'll pray to God, and I'll acknowledge him in some sense when things are hard. Go through some kind of, you know, church activity, religious motion, and then when there's relief... Ah, okay, I can put that stuff away, back to my life, back to my life. Yeah, some of us have been there, haven't we? I've been there. So God keeps flexing his muscles. He knew this would happen, as the Lord had said. He knew Pharaoh was going to harden his heart, so he kept going. Next plague, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. Verse 17, they did this. So there's no warning. This time there's no warning to Pharaoh. Hey, let the people go, or else. It's just, hey, send the gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came on people and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. So Gnats affected the Egyptians' ability to worship because uh, they had to offer their sacrifices to their Egyptian gods with kind of good hygiene, right? They believed in good hygiene, so gnats made them unclean. They couldn't participate in their religious activity. And moreover, if the gnats are on the animals, they couldn't even offer their animals as sacrifices like they normally did. The animals had to be clean as well. And if they're filled with gnats, they couldn't do that. So not only is God striking a blow to the gods of the Egyptians, he is striking a blow to the system of worship and religion itself in Egypt, affecting their whole ability to even come to what they believe to be their gods. He's messing up everything. He's toppling everything in Egypt so that they would know that he is Lord. verse 18. When the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. So this is where their power ran out. They couldn't keep up anymore. Their dark power had its limits. God kept going and going and going. Like the energizer bunny. Since the gnats, look at this, since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. So his own advisors are saying, Yo, bro, <laughs> their their God is legit. He is able to do things our gods can't. He's got power that we can't access. You might want to listen to him now. He might be who he says he is. Not just one of many gods, but the one God. I don't know. I'm speculating what they might be saying to Pharaoh. But either way, he didn't listen. They were a bit humbled, Pharaoh was not. They were a bit humbled. Pharaoh was not. His heart was hard. But just as the Lord had said, God knew this would happen. So God is bringing these plagues, number one, to show his power over Egyptian gods. Number two, as an act of mercy to give Pharaoh a chance to repent. But number three, to prove that he knew what was going to come. He warned his people, Pharaoh's not going to let you go. And he, that's exactly what's going on. He's um omniscient. He's not just omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Nothing takes him by surprise. No difficulty that you will face tomorrow will will, will, will take God by surprise. Isn't that good news? Let's keep going. Verse 20. Then the Lord said to Moses, so this is the fourth plague and the last one we're going to look at today. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they may worship me. Again, I want my people free, not just to be free, but to worship me. I want them to to worship me. I want them free to worship me. Verse 21, if you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. Now, that commentator I referenced earlier, David Guzik, uh, mentions how the, the word flies in the Hebrew originally is not there. It just says swarms. So we don't know exactly whether this was flies, sand flies, mosquitoes, or what. But we know from Psalm seventy-eight forty-five that looks back at this time in Exodus, it, it indicates that these kind of were like biting insects of some kind. So they were starting to nip at the Egyptians. So it wasn't just uh, discomfort and inconvenience and disgusting like the frogs and the gnats. Now it was starting to affect them physically, cause a little physical harm. And that's perhaps why, in verse 22, look what happens. On that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there. So that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will occur tomorrow. So God now starts to make a distinction. The people of Israel who lived in the land of Goshen, which is a little separate from where the Egyptians slept, because the Egyptians wanted to be separate from them. They saw them as less clean and pure. So keep them separate. And so God's like, okay, well, those are my people. I'm going to show you that they're my people by protecting them from the plague that's coming on the land so that nobody later on through the history channel can say, well, this was just a natural phenomenon. A bunch of extra swarms came. No, 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 no. It didn't affect the land of Goshen. There was a distinction drawn so that you would know that I am the Lord and that these are my people and I'm, I'm going to protect my people. Look at verse 28. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 24. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of the officials throughout Egypt. The land was ruined, ruined by the flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in the land. So now Pharaoh is trying to compromise a little bit. Okay? Okay, you can go do your worship of your God. But you got to do it here. You can't go out into the wilderness like you wanted to do. You got to do it here. He's trying to compromise. He's like, you can give your God a little bit of what he's asking for. Just not the whole thing. Let's negotiate a little bit. You ever try to negotiate with God? You're like, okay, I feel like God's trying to get my attention. I'll give him a little attention. But not the whole thing. God... This area of my life is mine. You can have this one, though. I sure could use your help with this one, and yeah, I'll surrender. I'll surrender this one to you, but not this one. You ever do that? You ever try to compromise and negotiate with God? He don't compromise. He wants the whole chicken caboodle. Pharaoh didn't want to give it to him. So Moses responds by saying this. This would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, they will, not, will they not stone us? No, we must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. So Moses being a little shrewd here. He's saying, listen, if, you, if we try to worship our God here in Egypt, your people are going to see that as an affront to their system, their gods, and they're going to come and attack us. You know that this ain't going to end well. No, we need to go and have our own space to do this, our own freedom to do this. And so Pharaoh, still trying to compromise, says this: "I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you can't go very far." <laughs> He's still trying to exercise some control. Ain't that funny? And sad? And a reminder that we do the same thing? Still try to exercise some control. All right, God, I, can, you can, I need your help here. I'm giving you a week to fix this, God. And if you don't, then I'm going to take it back and exercise my own control. I'm giving you a month to fix this marriage. And if you don't, Then I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm single, God. I'm giving you six months to provide my spouse. And if you don't, I'm going to go back to my ex that I know is not healthy for me. But I can give out more examples. But you get the idea. And then he says, now pray for me. So Moses goes out and he prays. The uh, swarms stop. And then Pharaoh hardens his heart again He deceives them again. He takes back his promise yet again. He does not let the people of Israel go. So God's going to keep on coming. And we'll pick that up next week in chapter 9. There are more plagues, more blows that God is going to strike to more Egyptian gods that we will look at. But what I want to do today as we close is lay out before you for the last five minutes or so three implications that I see in these two chapters for us. And we're going to have some folks available afterwards for prayer. Bill Robertson and Joni will be available to pray, and, and they'll be available to pray for anything. You need healing, you need provision, whatever. But especially if one of these three implications strike your heart in some way, I want to encourage you to come down and receive prayer. So the first implication that I see, number one, the false gods of this world will one day all oh, come crumbling, come, come <laughs> tumbling down. What happened in Egypt is a foreshadow of what will happen one day throughout the whole earth when Jesus returns. When he returns out of heaven... He's going to be shown to be the true Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, the Bible says, whether we want to or not, that he is Lord, that he is King, that he is Yahweh. And everything that we as humans have put our hope in will come crumbling down. Politicians that we put our hope in, whether we thought they were on the good side or the bad side, they will be shown to be weak. Political parties will come crumbling, political ideologies will fall short. Our quest for physical beauty and wrinkle free aging will be found empty. Buildings that have been erected in the name of dictators or real estate moguls will come crumbling down, technology will fail us, everything will be shown to be futile and empty in comparison to King Jesus when he returns. But for many at that point, things will be too late, so my plea is that if you have not given your life to Jesus, you do it today. You do it today today whether you're here in person, you're watching online, you're watching later on, somebody sends this to you. Take this in a way that Pharaoh didn't take it. As God trying to wake you up and going, bow your knee now, trust in me now, give me your life now. Don't wait, don't keep trying to find excuses. Don't keep trying to justify. Well, my life is sort of working out. Trust in me now. In fact, you can come down and tell Bill or Joni, just say, hey, listen, I don't know what this means, but I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to trust in him today. If you're watching online, we've got a website at the top. Just look at the top. There's a button. Click it. Prayer request or get connected and just let us know, I'm trusting in Jesus today. We'll follow up with you about that. But one day, Jesus is returning Don't wait for that day. Do it now. If you haven't been baptized, I want to say this again. In two weeks, baptism is a public declaration. There's a lot of us playing a game. You know why I push baptism so much? Because a lot of us play this game where I'm a Christian, but I just want to keep my faith private. Then Jesus isn't Lord, and you're not a Christian. When we want to keep our faith private, it shows that we have a belief in God, but he's not Lord. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. So baptism is the prescribed way through scripture that we publicly profess for the first time. There's other ways we publicly profess, but it's the first time after trusting in Jesus that we're told to profess our faith in Jesus. He's my Lord. That's what it it declares. He's king. My life is his. But when we play this game, we no, I just want to kind of keep it private. I don't, I don't talk much about it. There's a fear underneath that, that we're trying to protect something else that is our true God. Jesus is not. That's what Pharaoh did. He acknowledged the belief in God, but he didn't bow his knee. All right, that's number one. Number two. God may be freeing us to worship him right now by messing with our false gods. So one day he's going to return and everything that humans put their hope in will crumble. But right now, on an individual basis and in individual hearts, he messes with the things that we put our hope in. He messes with them. And it's an invitation to trust more fully in him. It's an invitation to come to him and worship him in a deeper way whether you're a Christian or not. That could be what's going on right now. If, he is, if you feel like something is getting messed with in your life right now, even if there are, um, there's wrongdoing on the part of other people, okay, that's legit. We don't blame God for evil, okay? We don't blame God for evil done or blame God for sin done to us. However... God is sovereign over all that, and he could be allowing it as part of his plan to get you to come back to him, trust in him, bow your knee to him, and declare, your Lord, this thing that is being threatened right now is not. That could be what's going on with some of you. I, 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 I want to, um, um, well, let me back up. Two stories come to mind from last year, 2020, that I heard about in our church. Frank Martinez's, if you watched his testimony, who saw his testimony? Raise your hand, his video testimony. Okay. If you didn't, go on our website under video stories. Watch Frank Martinez's. He talks about how he, when he started 2020, he was, he, he was putting his hope in money. He's, he's pursuing money, trying to make money. He was a Christian for sure, but he was also chasing money, chasing money, trying to make more and more money. And then the pandemic hit. And he he couldn't make the money he was making. And he could have raised his fist at God and said, how could you do this to me? How could you take away work? How could you take away money? But instead, he bowed his knee. He leaned in. He pressed in the prayer, pressed into scripture. And Frank's story was that he found greater freedom, greater joy in God, greater peace in God. Greater life in God, in Jesus. His story wasn't, I lost my job, but I won the lottery. His story was, I lost my job, couldn't make as much money, but it didn't matter. Because I found Jesus in a greater way. I got to know him in a deeper way. Am I summarizing it okay, Frank? And that might be what he's doing for some of you guys right now. Something has been taken away. Something is being threatened. And it could be because he's trying to get a hold of your heart so that you can find greater joy and greater freedom and greater peace. Don't resist it. Don't do what Pharaoh did. Another story was that that somebody was an alcoholic. They're hiding it from people. They weren't like a teenager or 20-something. They were a little older. They got a DUI. Their license got taken away. Their life got flipped upside down a little bit. They could have raised their fist at God, but instead they pressed in. And not only did they find greater joy in God, but they found freedom from alcoholism, something they said they thought they would never find. Praise God that he topples our false gods and our idols and messes with our lives. Oh, it's uncomfortable, but it's for our good. It's for our good. He might be doing that to some of you guys right now. Lastly, third one. Our job, especially in the midst of disappointment, especially in the midst of difficult or confusing circumstances, our job is to ask the Lord, what's next? Obey him, but not to hyperanalyze the results. When I look at these chapters seven and eight, I see a marked difference between the way Moses responded to Pharaoh versus the way he did last week in chapters five and six. Last week, Moses was like, God, Pharaoh's saying no. I can't believe it. This isn't going to work. Your plan's not going to work because Pharaoh's saying no to us. And look at the people. They're discouraged and they're blaming me. I don't like this. Why did you send me? And now... It's time and time again, Pharaoh says, no, he doesn't keep his promise. He deceives the people. And we don't see Moses complaining anymore. We don't see Moses discouraged. It's like this. It's like Moses is like, all right, God, what's next? All right, let me do that. Okay, Pharaoh, this is what I'm going to do. Do, 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 do. Pharaoh responds in a way that's not favorable. And Moses just goes back to God. All right, God, now what? Now what's next? Okay, I'll be obedient. He goes, he does it. Oh, this is the results. Here's the results, God. I offer it to you. What do I do next? He's not hyper-analyzing and going, oh, no, Pharaoh said no again. I I know you said his heart was going to be hard, but this is the fourth time his heart was hard. I don't think you know what you're doing. He's not doing that. And this should be very freeing to us. Our job is to simply go to God and go, God, what's my my next step? I'll obey. And no matter what happens, no matter how circumstances go, no matter how other people respond, guess what? They're not always going to respond favorably. Talked about that last week. Our job is not to hyperanalyze and go, well, maybe God, maybe his word can't be trusted. No, 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 no. Oh, well, okay, God, now what? Now what, God? This is incredibly freeing. This is incredibly freeing. All all, all we gotta do is say, God, what's next? And do it. The results are in his hands. All we gotta do is worry about being faithful. End the day, not hyperanalyzing the results of the day, well, God, I did this, and this didn't happen. I did this, and this didn't happen. This was, no, no. God, was I faithful today? Was I faithful to obey you today? Help me to be faithful tomorrow. Show me what's next tomorrow. This situation's confusing. What's my one next step? I don't need 10 set steps. I need one. Tell me what the one next step is, and I'll be obedient. And maybe some of you guys are going through something, and you just need to know, what's my one next step? Focus on that. Be obedient. Don't worry about what other people have done, will do, what they might do, how it might get worse. It might get worse. Don't worry about that. What's my one next step? You can come receive prayer for that. Ask for prayer for that if you're watching online. Fill out a connect guide. We'll pray for you. God, show this person your next, their next step. That's it. It's freeing, isn't it? All right, band, come on up here. Joni and Bill, would you got to get, get get positioned Get ready. We're just going to spend some time, last five to ten minutes, worshiping God because he's the Lord. Your stuff is not. Your career is not. Your money's not. The person sitting next to you certainly ain't. Right? Amen? Let them off the hook. They can't make you happy. God is God, and we're going to worship him as God. We're going to sing some songs to him. But if you need prayer for anything that God just talked to you about. Maybe you've been compromising, and you know it. You come down. Receive prayer for that. Maybe it's just something completely different that I haven't talked about. You need healing in a physical part of your body, get, get healing. Maybe you need financial provision. I want to read a testimony. I want to, I'm going to be reading testimonies probably once a week because God is answering prayers like crazy around here. Here's one from Bill. Oh, Bill. That's Bill. This one's from Bob and Lorraine DiStefano. They, they, put it, they filled out a card. This is a box of cards that y'all filled out. We got some online too. They filled out a prayer request asking for prayer for a new place. They sold their place, their house, and they were looking and they couldn't find a place to either buy or rent. They were looking for either one. Getting filled with anxiety, they, they submitted a prayer request. Days later, after submitting that, they sent an email in. Check it out. Hi, Chris and True Life family. After a very stressful and frustrating search, Bob and I are so happy to tell you we have signed a lease on an amazing rental property. Praise Jesus. God has provided the perfect home for us and our dogs. We were, listen, listen to this. We were one of 12 couples applying for the home. One applicant offered $600 per month over asking rent. The owners chose us. And we know without a doubt God was on this Thank you all for your prayers. That's you guys who prayed. Thank you all for your prayers. And now we are praying that God will use us to share his word with all our new neighbors. Blessings, Bob and Lorraine, DeStefano. That's God answering our prayers. He does that. So if you need prayer, come. These guys will be available. Let's be a praying church. Let's stand and worship God